If you've got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. We're going to get into the Old Testament today. We're going to start out in chapter 13. And I just got to tell you, I am super jacked and fired up about this message, man. I am so excited. Uh, this, is going to, this is going to be a two-week series. I know that there's no way I'm going to be able to get finished with all of it today. Um, so I need you to vow that you're going to be here next week for the part two of this series, all right? Uh, but I, I just believe that this is, gonna, this is a kind of a message that it's, it's changed my life and how I live in authority and live in my purpose and live against uh, in authority against the things that the enemy brings at us to stop us from accomplishing God's will for our lives. And I just believe that this is going to this is going to be a message that's going to just set some people free, that's going to break some chains off of people's lives. It's going to just totally change the direction of where they're headed in their purpose, okay? So in Numbers chapter 13, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, verse 1, and uh, I'm going to read the first 20 verses here. So just follow along with me. Starting out, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, the son of Zakur. From the tribe of Simeon, Safat, the son of Hori. I looked up how to pronounce all these, by the way. You like that? You're like, wow, that's impressive. He really knows his Hebrew. (laughs) Uh, Some of you that are scholars, I may get a couple of these wrong, so don't yell at me. Okay. So, Hori. Verse 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Yapuna. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Osea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Rapu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph, that is from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali. From the tribe of Asher, Setur, the son of Michal. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Yossi. From the tribe of Gad, Gaul, the son of Machai. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So that's Joshua right there. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains. So let's stop right there for a minute. And actually, let me pray. Lord, I just ask you as we get into this message this morning... Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me. God, that you would allow me to just decrease while you increase in this place. God, we're approaching today, we're approaching this message and your truth with great reverence. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak a word to each and every heart that will change lives today. We come with great expectation and anticipation for what the powerful work that your word can do and how it transforms lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you have received a a bad report 
from someone, some source, something, a bad report that just depicted something that was obviously like doom and gloom, that was just sort of like the situation was hopeless, and that report began to discourage your heart and began to leave you hopeless about your situation and ultimately led to some sort of destructive situation or despair in some kind of thing that you were dealing with. How many people have ever had a bad report before that came at you? I guarantee you, everybody here, right? No matter what you're doing when you're living for God, there's always going to be attempts that the enemy is going to make to bring a bad report into your life from someone somewhere in order to stop you dead in your tracks from advancing and moving forward into the plan that God has for you and has for your life. And many people, guys, they don't just get stuck in this cycle of receiving a bad report and allowing that bad report to write their story. A lot of times, I've seen this over the years, where that actually, that cycle becomes a cycle in people's lives. Meaning they live in a way where they are susceptible to bad reports constantly attacking them and leaving them in bondage or in oppression from really walking out their destiny. Meaning an enemy throws a bad report at them about this part of their life, that part of their life, and the bad reports just continue to beat them down over and over and over again. It actually becomes a pattern, if you will, in people's lives. But this is what the Lord is speaking to us today. This is what he's shown me in this message that we are going to dive into and he's going to do in people's lives, is that we are going to break the cycle. We are going to break the cycle. That's going to be the title of this message series today and next week, is to break the cycle of being a victim of bad reports in our lives. Amen? Amen. So let's do this. Let's talk about the backdrop of this story just a little bit. This is a situation where Moses has already uh, been able to lead the people out of Egypt out of bondage, out of slavery that they've been in for hundreds of years, has led them out of Egypt, out of oppression, and they're on their way into the promised land. God has spoken a promise. He has spoken a, spoken a destiny to his people. And that destiny, in a short phrase, sounds like, I am going to bring you out of Egypt and I am going to bring you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. If you look at Exodus chapter 3, this happens prior to this situation that we opened up with in our story. Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. This is God speaking to Moses. He says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt, and I have said I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. So I want you to see this. This is very important. God has spoken a purpose and a promise to this people. 
He has spoken a truth that he intends fully to accomplish. How many people know that he who begun a good work in you will be faithful to finish it until the day of Jesus Christ? When God speaks a destiny and a purpose to someone, to a people, then God's intention is to fully see that through. Meaning he puts his full power, he puts his full authority behind that, and as long as we will walk in faith to that promise, then all of heaven and all of God's power will ensure that that destiny is wrought in our lives. Right, So he's spoken this thing to Moses. He's spoken this thing to the people. And really what he's done is he's reaffirmed a covenant that he made with Abraham a number of years later about how he will multiply the descendants uh, uh, greater than the sand and the seashore and the stars in the sky. He has a purpose and a plan for his people. And he's speaking that to Moses. And, and he's saying, speak this to all of them. And so they've, delivered, they've been delivered out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. And they're now in the wilderness. They're getting ready. They're getting set up. Guys, this is huge. They're being set up right now to go ahead and walk into and march into the fullness of their destiny. That's the place that we find ourselves in in this story. And so Moses, what he does is he says, we're going to do this. We're going to gather together 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes of Joseph's children, right? Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, we're going to get one spy from each of the 12 tribes, and we're going to send them out, and we're going to scout this land, and we're going to, get a, we're going to do some recon, right? We're going to do some recon. We're going to see what's out there. We're going to see what we're walking into. We're going to use wisdom here, and we're going to figure out what the situation looks like. And so he sends 12 spies into the land. Now, this is a very important part, is that we understand when we see the, the children of Israel, God's children, and going into the promised land, their destiny, metaphorically, this is representative of we are God's children, and God has a purpose and a promise and a destiny for each and every one of our lives as well. And so as God is, as we are walking with the Lord, he has a destiny and a, pro, a purpose. Our promised land is our purpose that he is going to fulfill in our lives if we will walk in faith with him all the days of our lives. Okay, so that promised land is where they're headed. Now, in any kind of thing that we're headed into that's a destiny or a purpose, you got to know that the enemy is not just going to sit back and let you walk right in and have the territory that, you, that you're supposed to occupy. A part of walking out your promise, your destiny, your purpose, just like part of Israel fulfilling their destiny, is that we are going to have to take territory away from the enemy as we advance forward in our lives. He is occupying things in our lives. He is putting a stronghold against us to keep us from fully stepping into the destiny that God has for us. And we are going to have to annihilate him. We're going to have to hit him. We're going to have to fight him and push him out of the land, of the spaces and the places that we are fully intended to occupy by God's divine promise. Amen? So you have to understand that that's a representation of our lives and the plan and the destiny that God has for us. Now, the enemy knows, talking about bad reports, the enemy knows that if he can get us to believe 
a bad report. And we'll just say that a bad report is synonymous with a lie. Okay, If he can get us to believe a lie, a bad report, then he knows he will accomplish great progress in, in stifling God's plan for our lives to come to pass. Because what happens when we believe a lie? What happens when we believe a bad report? What we do is we accept something that actually contradicts what God has already said about who we are, about what he's empowered us to do. And so when we believe the lie, we automatically live in a place of doubt instead of a place of faith. And if we can't live in a place of faith, then the full power and authority of what Jesus died for us to have is not going to be active in our lives. We'll be living according to the lie. Does that make sense? So now what I want to do is I want to talk about these 12 spies. And some of this stuff I'm going to end up having to kind of come back to next week. But I I want to write the names of these 12 spies down because this is very important. All right. So we had Shamua, Shaphat. Sorry, just give me one second. Got Caleb. Go, Shea, which is Joshua, Palti. Gosh, there's a lot of these guys. All right, Sidur. I should have just wrote these down ahead of time. Caddy. So, we have these 12 spies that have gone into the land. Now, when they go to spy out the land to see what is out there, what is it that they find? What do they actually see when they check everything out and then they come back to bring the report? Let's read in Numbers chapter 13, verses 21 through 25. So they went out and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahimen, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskol because the cluster, because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now, I want to bring very close attention to this cluster of grapes. In fact, if we could get our couple of ushers that I asked for some help, I want to bring this out because I want you to have a visual the entire time because to me, this cluster of grapes is kind of like at the center of our story here, right? You got to realize this is not just an ordinary cluster of grapes. This isn't the $1.99 a pound that you get in the bag at, at, at Aldi, right? I mean, this is a cluster of grapes, Right? 
This is a cluster of grapes that they find in this land that is so big that it has to be carried on a pole by two men. Do you see that? This is like a massive, massive sign that is right in front of them. Because what did God say? He said, I'm going to bring you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. To flow means to flow or to gush. Flowing with milk and honey means to have an enormous abundance and fruitfulness in the land. What do you see if you see a cluster of grapes that looks like this? You see exactly what God has already spoken that you are going to see when you arrive in the place that you're supposed to be. Isn't that interesting? There's this giant cluster of grapes they have to carry back on a pole. I mean, I think we need to have these in our hospitality section, actually. I think those are the grapes we need to be serving right there, right? But we see that they find this giant cluster of grapes, and they carry it back on a pole. They've been in the land 40 days. It's flowing with milk and honey. No question about it. They all see that. But here's the crazy thing, guys. What is the report the report that they bring back after they've spied out the land. What do they come back and say that they have found in this land, in this area that they're headed into? In chapter 13 of Numbers, listen to this, in verses 26 through 33. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And then it goes south. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Wasn't that exactly who Moses said he was going to push out by them? So they're there. Interesting. It's flowing with milk and honey. Look at this cluster of grapes. It's enormous. Wow. Interesting. Then they said, true, nevertheless, all of these problems. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Thank God for Caleb. We'll be revisiting him in a little bit in this story. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came, who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. This is interesting. This is very interesting. All of the signs and the evidence of what God has spoken to them about their destiny have just 
basically revealed himself to them. Yet what we see happen is that 10 out of the 12 spies, we're going to exclude the two, Joshua and Caleb. 10 out of the 12 spies come back and they, re- they bring a bad report. A bad report essentially is a report that completely conflicts with and, and, and defies what the truth of God that's already been spoken says. They bring a report that says there is no way that we are able to overcome these people. There is no way that we, were, that we are able to take this land. Ten out of 12 of them have a report. This isn't, guys, this isn't one of those reports that's like, these are some realists. We're just being realistic about what we see. No, this is a report of death of doom, of gloom, and of despair. This is a lie that is completely in conflict with what the word of God that's already been spoken says about the future promise and destiny of this people. And I promise you that any single one of us here in this place that are going to choose to live for God, that are going to go after our destiny, baby, and chase down our purpose that God has for us in our life, I promise you, you are going to be confronted with a bad report, with a lie, a negative report from someone, somewhere, some source that's going to try to get you to accept it as your truth so that the promise and the power and the purpose of God that is intended in your life to go forward will not be accomplished and will not be realized. That's one of the enemy's main tactics is that he'll, he'll, he'll bait us. He will bait us with a bad report and with a lie. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to embrace it as our own truth. He wants us to embrace it as our own truth. And here's the bad thing is that as soon as we do embrace it as our own truth, then we begin to live the lie. We begin to live according to the lie instead of according to the truth. Now, let me ask you a question. Would anybody in here say that they would ever willingly do that? No. But how many times does it happen? 10 out of 12, guys. 10 out of 12. They just walked through the freaking Red Sea. I mean, they just saw God part the Red Sea. Not a number of many days ago. Yet here they are. They've already been spoken a promise and a destiny. It's grapes that are the size of your head. <laughs> and they're like, it's, we, we can't do this. There's just no way. And, and two of them have a different report. And we're going to see that in a second. But I want you to see this. Because here is where the cycle begins that we have to break. We see the lie is being baited. It's being fed. It's being served up. And, and the enemy just wants us to just, to just feast on it, to just take it, right? And then here's what happens when we get a report, we get a bad lie. Then we begin, we begin to speak that to ourselves. We begin to say that to ourselves over and over again. We begin to replay that in our own heads and in our own minds. And it just begins to create discouragement and hopelessness, and it begins to just drown out whatever the truth of God says that conflicts with this lie. But we just keep replaying it. And then 
worse, begin to speak that to others. Notice the cycle that plays out right here. In verse chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, they've fed the lie. They've obviously been saying to themselves that this is what they've saw. And then they come back in chapter 14, 1 through 4. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, if we died in the land of e- uh, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, what has the Lord brought us into this land to fall? Why has he brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Is this, is this crazy or what? So listen, so the cycle has been basically completed. Now, they've heard the lie. They spoke it to themselves. They've begun to speak the same report to everyone else. And now they've embraced it. And it is now their truth. And they are wanting to live, now they're going to live according to this lie. Listen to what they just said. We need to go back to Egypt. Guys, we need to go back to slavery. We need to get back into bondage. We need to go out. It would have been better if we would have just died out here. Are you kidding me? Do you see what's happening? They're embracing this lie, this bad report, and it's like now they're ready to just lay down and die. There's total hopelessness. And when we embrace the lie and it becomes our truth, it only begins to intensify in our lives as to the way we live this thing out. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever wonder how people get into such a deep state of depression, of anxiety, of despair, hopelessness, feel like victims, they live in a poverty mindset, all of these things. Guys, I would submit to you that most of the bondages and strongholds that people are locked in in their lives started as one little lie, one little bad report that the person embraced and began to accept as their own truth. And when that becomes their truth, they live from that place. They walk that lie out and they basically silence and, and, and render the authority they have powerless in their lives to, to walk further in their purpose and destiny. They, they unknowingly walk back to Egypt. They walk right back into bondage and slavery, the very bondage that the day we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he's by his blood, completely broke us free of. Is that crazy or what? But yet we go right back, people go right back to this place where they begin to live in that bondage and they just don't walk forward in their destiny and it intensifies and then they begin to live in despair, in discouragement, hopelessness. They begin to get into addictions and strongholds and things that are dominating and leading their life. The enemy's just loving it and having a heyday. Why? And what's really going on, guys, is there's a greater truth. There's a greater report that exists, that a price has already been paid for us to have the authority to walk out. 
but we render it silent in our lives because we've embraced a lie and allowed it to become our new truth. You can have a report that's a lie, and you can have a report that's the truth. But you know what? We have to choose which report we're going to believe. We have to choose which report we're going to believe. And what I want to do next week is I want to talk to you about breaking the cycle. Because Caleb and Joshua, their behavior, their walk, their demonstration of faith is a perfect pattern for us that we can learn from to see exactly what it looks like to break the cycle of accepting a bad report and allowing that to become our truth. Because you know what Caleb did? Going back to what we just read, he says in verse 30 of chapter 13, and Caleb quieted the people. That means shut up. (laughs) He interjected. He interrupted them. That's exactly what that means, right? It's kind of like what you do to me, babe, whenever I'm (laughs) talking. He interjected. He, he, He said no, and what did he say? Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you know what he did? He responded from a different report. He actually responded from a place of truth that he was already walking in. You know what he heard? He heard what Moses communicated, that God had communicated, that said, we're going to go into a land that's gushing with fruitfulness. And we're going to go into this place where the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the rest of them are, and we're going to push them out. And you know what he said? He said, wakey, wakey, hello. Is that not what we just saw? I mean, did you see the grapes? Did you see the fruitfulness of the land? Did you see the people who were in there? That's what we just saw, guys. The truth was in him. It was in him. And because it was in him and it was a part of him, he responded from a report that was God's report and said, I don't care what the enemy's report says. I don't care what the lie is. I'm not going to be baited by that. I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to interrupt you right there when the lie is being served up. And I'm going to break that cycle. And I'm going to start a new cycle that's going to be lie Truth, victory. And I'm going to break that cycle right now. Oh, I wish I had another hour. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, when those choose to live the lie, basically what ultimately happens is that they begin to live out their own destruction. Because a lie that's of the devil will only plant seeds of destruction in our lives as it relates to the purpose that God has for us. It's only by the seeds of truth of what God says in his word, what he's spoken, that that truth can be grown up in us, that we can walk out of victory that is our purpose and our destiny being fulfilled. And the enemy, 
He's going to want to serve you up a lie. He's going to want to serve you up a bad report any chance that he can get. It's crazy to me, actually, how little of a part he really has to play in this whole thing. You know, he just baits us. He just serves it up. He just whispers in our ear from somebody somewhere, you're doomed. You're not everything you think you are. You're nobody. You are suffering from a disorder. You are a manic depressive. That's who you are. You're going to suffer from anxiety and panic attacks for the rest of your life. He just serves it up. And then we grab on, begin to speak it over and over to ourselves, begin to speak it to others. You don't understand. I have this. I am that. You don't, yeah, I know, but you know, the doctors say that I am this. The experts say that I am that. Let me tell you something. There's only one real expert when it comes to your identity and who you are. And if anything you ever hear, oh, ever conflicts with what the expert says about your identity, then you got to break the cycle. You got to interrupt that thing right there. And you got to make a choice. Which report are you going to believe? And see, a lot of times we get hit so hard with that lie. We get hit so hard and just kind of overwhelmed and knocked off of our feet with that bad report. Guys, that we forget that there's even another report we need to analyze before we make a decision. Stand to your feet with me today. Listen, Joshua and Caleb broke the cycle. The rest of this story is absolutely unbelievable. The way that this thing ends up and plays out, I promise you, you're not going to want to miss the rest of this. They broke the cycle in their lives. And you can see a perfect example in this situation of how we can live our lives. Not, We need to cancel the lie and we need to walk in truth. We need to just say to that bad report that that is nonsense and we're going to accept what God has to say and cancel that lie and walk in victory in our lives. And Joshua and Caleb did that. Father, I just thank you today, God, that you have a report. You have an ultimate report that supersedes, that overrules anything and everything that we would hear that contradicts that. We simply need to have your truth in us more, God. Fill us up with your truth. Holy Spirit, right now in this place, I ask you, God, to begin to come and move in here in each and every person's life. Minister to them, speak to them. God, begin to deconstruct and de uh, and, and unravel any bad reports, any lies right now that have become someone's truth. In Jesus' name, by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Lord, to come and begin to rip that report out, begin to break that lie down, begin to unravel it, begin to expose it for what it is, God, and deposit a new report. Deposit a report of truth and of victory. 
If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to live. I want to live what God says I'm supposed to be for my life. I I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I want to turn to God. I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never surrendered my life fully to Him. And it's time I know that I begin to live according to an ultimate truth and not according to any of the ways of this world. If that's you, I just ask you today, turn your heart to Jesus. He died for you. He gave his life for you. It's a free gift of grace. You can't earn this. And it's the greatest decision that you will ever make. He has a truth for you and a plan for you that is way beyond what you could ever imagine for yourself. The enemy intends to destroy you. He wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to hold you back from a great and mighty destiny that God has for you. It's only by the power of Jesus' blood that you can walk in victory over the things the enemy brings against you. I encourage you right now, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, turn your life over to him today. Say, Jesus, I turn away from my old ways. I turn away from my old life. I turn to you now. I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come and live on the inside of me, Holy Spirit. Begin to make me everything that you've created me to be. In Jesus' name I pray.